Charlie Bud, what is going on, man? It's been a second. What's the latest and greatest in your world right now? Uh, well, not too much, man. We just got we have Thanksgiving coming up. You know, my family's just it's just gonna be us, just the immediate family for Thanksgiving. Um so it's gonna be pretty low key, uh, I think. Um gonna go down for a few days though. It's always nice to spend some time a little bit in Bayhead, you know, head on over yeah. uh to uh you know, you know the local spots because I think one of the restaurants, like I think like Charlie's for example, is like all Christmas decorated. So kind of want to like check oh. that out on like Friday night or something. That sounds like it'd be a good time. But yeah, um, just uh, yeah, not too much going on. I feel like um, been busy. Just saw oh yeah, just saw LCD sound system on uh, Friday, Ooh, which was a pretty why good. Not lead off with that. Yeah, pretty good concert. Now, yeah, like we did so much this weekend, I feel like that. I just that like I can't believe that happened this past weekend. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it feels like uh, it was like yeah. more like a week than a weekend. I know it was definitely a week. Um, but yeah, no, that was a fun. Like you know, I think it's like the fourth or fifth time I've seen them, and they always do like a residency in New York. So every time, it's like a yearly tradition at this point. Uh, I, I literally think it's been four years in a row. I think maybe one year off from COVID, but yeah, um, that's it. But what about you, Palmer? I hear someone's got a got a birthday coming up. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh... The old 28, man. It's kind of crazy. Uh, it feels still relatively young, but also kind of starting to get into the old territory. No, you're still in your mid-20s at 28. Thank you. That's what yeah. I'm, I'm going to rock the mid-20s till I'm 30. 30, <laughs> 30 is when you're in your late 20s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our extra late 20s are like 32. It's like maybe we're yeah, getting a little yeah. old now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So 28, it's crazy, dude. Absolutely crazy. And kind of like funny enough to like start celebrating. I treated myself to something this this afternoon morning. Um, I've only ever heard it, seen it on like TV, but you know the sensory deprivation tanks that people sometimes hop into? Yes. I uh, I took the plunge. I decided to flip took this the plunge. Uh, today. Yeah, I took the plunge and did not stay down long because all the salt pushed me right back up. And it's <laughs> funny because I swore I would sink. Like I just feel like I'm negatively buoyant. But no, I was floating like a mofo out there. It was crazy. And uh, it's crazy. Now I'm like real zen. So this episode, if I say something like wild, just know it's because I'm still enjoying the post-float glow is what they call it. Post-float glow. <laughs> yeah. So it's an official term. So uh, we might go some crazy places today. Is that actually an official the, term? Uh, the topic. Okay, it was the official term on the website, so maybe just for uh, <laughs> Hope Floats and Bethesda. Tell me, about this extent, tell me about the sensor deprivation tank. Ah, uh, okay, dude. So it is freaking trippy. I uh, So you hop in, and you're just lying on your back and literally floating. You have no sense of time, no sense of orientation. Like, I would hit, like, one side, not hard, but, like, just float into it, and then I'd push myself a little bit and just be floating, 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 and then gently touch the other side. I had no idea how big it was. I tried to touch my leg, but I guess my leg wasn't where I thought my leg was. So very scary. Not scary, but unexpected. And then you're at a moment. <laughs> yeah, a little unexpected. <laughs> Maybe a little scary at first. Um, and then I closed my eyes and opened them and it's you're in a dark tank. So you it looks exactly the same. So yeah. you just have nothing going on. It is crazy. And you just focus <laughs> in on like random things. It was an, an incredible experience. I think I'm going to do it again. I recommend it for everybody. Although, I don't think everybody's going to like it, but... Give it how a try. Uh, it a how try. long were you in the tank for? 
I was in there for 60 minutes. Oh, camera. Um, did it feel like 60, 60 minutes, minutes went just, by? Uh, dude, it was... I, I'm telling. I don't know if it was longer than I expected or shorter than I expected. When you're down there, man, time moves different. Time, <laughs> time moves real moves different. Differently. Yeah, no, I'm not lying to you. But uh, uh, I mean, no, I dude, you got to try it. Um, I mean, I could be. I don't even know where you go to do that. To be honest, I think <laughs> you could probably just look. At, like I just looked up sensory deprivation in DC, and I just found a couple that were close by. And um, one. Huh. Yeah. I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google yeah, this Google right book. now. Yeah. Exactly. Bookmark it. Save it for later. See what you want to do. But uh, no. Super cool. Definitely relaxing. I feel like you've had like a problem, mm-hmm. or you went in there trying to kind of come up with a solution to something that's going on in your life. <laughs> One might say a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, just give problem twice as uh, reasons to to float. But I feel like you come up with an answer. Like it's it's pretty crazy in that regard. And also, make sure you shower off thoroughly after, because even though you think you showered off well, like sometimes the salt pops up like randomly in the cold. So that's you know, just uh, you know, I think. There. You know, when they said J- Jesus walked on water, I really just think he was in the Black Sea, which is infamously <laughs> salty. And so he was the just... the Dead Sea there? Or yeah, whatever. Whatever sea it is. Um, <laughs> which is infamously salty. So maybe he was just walking and because he was like, hey guys, check out this cool trick because it's so salty. I'm just taken back to our episode when you said, like, if you could t- take three people to dinner uh, who were dead, and you said, Jesus. <laughs> I said, yes, Charlie. <laughs> love that. Love that. You could ask him about it. You could ask him about you it. You could ask him. <laughs> yeah, that would be one of the things I'd ask him. <laughs> so, uh, that walking on water. Were you in the Dead Sea by any chance? <laughs> it's like, probably, this, this probably me. wasn't called that back then. <laughs> true, 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 true. It's like that uh, one real salty sea. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what salt is, sir? <laughs> Are you aware that this is in the ocean? Um, oh, man. No. Just FYI. Pretty entertaining. I would love to see that uh, a conversation there. But, uh, yeah, no. So it was a good experience. Definitely kind of freed me up mentally so uh, I can do this. And I was thinking a little bit about this podcast as I was floating. So I'm yeah. glad we have this opportunity to connect, to engage, and to Absolutely. speak. So did you have off today and tomorrow? I have taken uh, three days off in celebration of my name day. Uh, so <laughs> I basically have the whole week off. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have to work exactly. on Friday then. Oh, no, 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 no. There will, there will be no working on Friday. Oh, good. Very good. Yeah, Excellent exactly. Day. Excellent. So we're good to go. Ready to have some fun and eat some turkey. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, no, I guess that's the perfect segue to get into this. Speaking of turkey, I mean, kind of dark past, but Thanksgiving Native Americans. Uh, True. Let's do this thing, right? Yeah, let's do it. Perf, perf. Okay, what is going on, world? And welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined, as always, by the wonderful Charlie Bud. And today, we're talking about the latest Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. This star-studded flick follows the Osage tribe and the violence waged against them in order to secure the rights to money from the oil on their land. The content is pretty heavy, and fair warning, there will be spoilers ahead. Among other, th- among other things, the runtime has raised some questions, and that is where we're going to start today. 
Charlie, this movie is 206 minutes, a.k.a. three and a half hours. I want to know what your thoughts were around that, so Mm. let's get into it. What you got? All right, Palmer. So, yes, this movie is incredibly, incredibly long, which made it very difficult to kind of see, honestly, because that's like a whole day, all right? Mind you... I, okay, so I saw this movie just yesterday, and I left the apartment. I don't know what's going on with the camera. Sorry. No one knows this. Um, I left the apartment at, like, 1 o'clock, uh, right? And – or 1, like, 30. I didn't get home till 6.30, okay? <laughs> this theater was 30 minutes away. It's not, like, terribly far, but it's just, like, so long of a movie. My movie was at 2.30, and I got out at 6.00. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Um, sounds about right. Know, it's actually which sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, but you know I will say credit to Martin Scorsese, it did not feel like a three and a half hour movie. I'll give him that. Like as yes, it is really long. Like everything surrounding it is like your whole day is just eaten up by going to see this movie. Like that was literally like five hours of my day, which is to try to see this <laughs> film. Um, but during the actual movie. I never had to get up to pee because I like I had to prepare myself to do this. <laughs> um, even though I did get a water, I drank it really slowly, um, and I it just it took it it didn't really feel super long, like in the sense that nothing really dragged out. I felt like I always thought it was moving at a really good pace uh, throughout the entire film. Like it just it honestly just didn't feel like a three and a half hour movie. I was actually kind of surprised it it ended when it ended um but like because it wasn't it's not like the ending was abrupt it really did have like a pretty conclusive kind of full story i was just like wow i can't believe like i knew it was ending before it actually ended i was like wow i can't believe this movie's like over i can't believe it's three and a half hours went by um so i'll hand it to i'll hand it to him there i'll definitely hand it to him there that it paced very very well uh, and ultimately, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know this story, which is a true story, apparently. Um, I knew that going in that it was a true story, but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and it was based on a book. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was. It, it took a lot of effort to plan and motivate, motivate myself to actually, like, say, all right, 2 o'clock, we're seeing this freaking movie. <laughs> Uh, but what about you, Palmer? How did you think about the runtime? No, to your point, man. I uh, I really needed to block off some time in my my schedule to, to watch this. The first time I was gonna go see it, I I've never done this before in my life. I it was an eight fifty showing. Actually, it might have been eight twenty show. No, it was it was eight fifty eight fifty p.m. So I walk over to the theater. I get there at eight forty five. I'm ready to go. I know it's gonna be a long ish flick, but. You know, I'm mentally prepared, so I uh, I go to buy my ticket. I'm choosing my seat, and I said, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a pretty long one, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna get out at." And he looked, I guess, at the schedule or whatever. He said, "About 1:20 p.m." I said, "Well, sir, I will see you another day." I mean, 1:20 a.m. Like, I turned around and just walked back to my apartment. There was no doing that that day. Um, I, I know. I I when I realized that I bought the ticket for the wrong day, I was looking. Um, to see if I could see it that same like another day <clears throat> or like the weekend that I wanted to see it and then it uh, was not like the next showing or the only showing that had seats was a 
9.20 showing. I would have gone out oh. at like 2 a.m. Oh, heck no, bro. Uh-uh. That's not it. Not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> and it was in Manhattan. I'd have to travel like 45 minutes home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, nope. Why are they making it so brutal on you, dude? I don't know. I don't know. It was tough. Yeah, I, tough. I heard that a lot of, or not a lot of, some theaters were introducing an intermission in like the middle of the film. And Martin really? says he was not happy. He was like, bro, that's not how it's supposed to be watched. Yeah, I was but like, I, I, get I, it. I, I, don't, mean, I don't see where they would do the intermission. Like I said, the pacing was at like a point where you almost like couldn't like look away. Like it, it was just, it was paced like a... Like a movie's pace, where there's not really like breaks mm. versus like a television show, which you know tries to aim for like sixty minute kind of pocket stories that you know weave yep. together a, a larger narrative. Um, but overall, I just thought, yeah, like where would the where would it be? There's no like clean cut for me exactly. in the movie that like there's an intermission martin scorsese also like introduced himself at the beginning of the film for us no, right? was, he, was he there for you did he like thank you for coming to see this in this theater Yo, oh uh, for a second i thought you meant like he was literally there oh no in, not in person physical no. form okay yeah he did the same for us oh of course <laughs> like, he did he graced us with his presence you know he's like thank you this is a work of like love and we really you know, went above and beyond to try and basically make sure that the Osage people were represented, mm. able to have their voices uh, shared, which I thought was was pretty cool. But I will say that the trailers before the film lasted 30 minutes. So I was really, really in there for, for a while. I, I there were no trailers up. in the theater I saw it in. It just wow. started. <laughs> yeah, other than okay, like Martin Scorsese's little like, speech in the very beginning... It just started. So I saw it in like this really like vin- like kind of a vintage like theater, I guess. Um, mm. And uh, it's in the basement of a hotel. <laughs> oh, oh okay. Yeah. Um, like the venue? It, it's like a famous hotel. Uh, I, I think it's called like the Roxy or whatever. Um, and it, it's cool because you have to like walk through the hotel like lobby to go to the theater. Um, so you you can kind of like if there's like a coffee shop in there, it's like it's kind of cool vibe. Honestly, a place I'd probably would just like go and get a drink at. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, so I'd like walk through that. But this place only has like one or two theaters. So uh, and it shows like five or six movies. But like so, what they do is they schedule like every day and every time for each film to like okay, so at noon you have whatever film and then at 2 30 is killers of the flower moon so you wait for everybody to come out of the theater they do a little quick clean and then they get you into this theater which is like super old and like you have to like walk down a spiral staircase to get to the actual theater as you're already in the basement of a theater um (laughs) okay i don't know if that's my vibe (laughs) um and like and the the people who are like at the you know you get your popcorn ticket and like drink set uh they were like wearing suits and stuff um oh, i'm like classy. what where am i <laughs> like <laughs> um so it's uh it was cool it was cool um 
what was my I point? I did not have that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my point was is that like because of that reason they didn't have any movie trailers. They just like oh, right. you know they have you seated there. You wait like ten minutes, I guess. Uh, you sit in there like at two thirty, and the movie actually started playing at like two forty, two forty-five. Um, so you just like sit there, and then all of a sudden the lights go dark, the curtains open up, Martin's on the screen, and then the movie nice. plays. Nice. Okay. Okay. I dude, I'm telling you, my buddy and I watched it with a buddy, and we were just mm. like, man, there's a lot of, a lot of, tra-. and I, I, I managed to hold it. I did not have to go to the bathroom once. And to mm. your point. Probably about 45 minutes, like I was thinking about it at the beginning, but by 45 minutes in, I just got locked into the movie, so I like wasn't even thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, same. I was thinking about it in the beginning, too, way. and I'm like, crap, I'm going to have to go pee in like 30 minutes, yep. aren't I? Yep. And then I'm going to have to wait here for another three hours. Um, <laughs> uh, but then I like, I just, yeah, the movie kind of gripped me in, and I just, you know, I stopped thinking about it. I was just gripped into the film. Yeah. Okay, so you said you liked it. How many stars out of five would you give it? Um, I don't know, maybe four, I don't know, it is like, I I try to think of like, what did I not like about the movie, and I'm kind of drawn blanks there, Uh, maybe like the ending, even though it's like three and a half hours long, and no no spoilers just yet, but, you know, every time they do like true crime stories, they always just kind of like, I felt like the ending is always just like abrupt, like even no, though what, I, I agree. It, even though it like um it's three and a half hour long movie and you're like how could it possibly be abrupt it still is abrupt at the end of the day like you don't really get to see um a lot of the stuff that kind of happens after um things are solved i guess um but uh I still think it was satisfying, if not abrupt. Like it, like it led to the conclusion was still like, okay, yes. Like I can see why they just decided to do it like this. And I will give Martin Scorsese that the way, like a lot of films just put like text on a screen and just exactly. be like, this is what happened to all these people. He at least took an extra step and was like, Oh, we were just doing like an on stage play of like a recounting of this and like you didn't realize it until the very end and like you know he and that's how he tells you what happens to all these characters after the events um that take place during this movie um and yeah it's uh so you know i would knock it for maybe that but other than that i don't know i thought like everything about this movie was just very very good uh, I don't know what you think. I, I, I want to hear what your what your thoughts are on the uh, on Killers of the Flower Moon here. Okay, I'd probably echo some of your sentiments. I'd give it a three point five or a four stars mm-hmm. um, out of five. I enjoyed the performances. I thought that there were a number of just kind of unique storylines within the overarching story that I liked exploring. To the point of why I didn't give it a full five. Some of those storylines kind of just took like didn't really necessarily feel like they should have been inserted or, you know, you can have a director's cut where you do put them in, but like it kind of just detracted a little bit. Like I understood the intent of what uh, William King Hale was going for along with Ernest Burkhart. So Mm -hmm. I like, I I was like, you don't need to show me everything that you did. Like I just, if you kind of not say had a quick little montage of people dying, like I get it, but uh, no. So that was just the only thing. But I mean, to your point, like I think that, even with that, it was still paced pretty well. So mm-hmm. I stayed I stayed in it. Uh, other than that, honestly, there 
I'll say for me, the the radio show conclusion, and we're not going to get too much into it, mm-hmm. nece- didn't necessarily hit the mark. I liked the I- idea, but yeah. I think that um, it was a little more quirky than I was ready for. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it is. I have to lower this because, sorry. Um, it is funny yeah. that it is like quirky and you know, such a dark and kind of serious movie that they just throw in like a kind of a quirky thing at the end, um, which, you know true it did feel a little like it was at least original that in that sense of how they kind of handle the and here's what happened to all of them afterwards um uh but uh yeah i i so what like little storylines do you mean that they kind of like branched off to that you didn't feel like the because I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't feel that. I felt like, I thought it was interesting to kind of see, like, how they operated and planned all these killings. Because for a while, the, um, they, I thought they did kind of, like, montage it at the very beginning. It's like, oh, all these people died. Because they actually, I looked it up afterwards, they killed, like, potentially, like, hundreds of people. Um Ugh. Yeah, it wasn't just like in the movie. It focuses kind of strictly around mostly one family and uh, uh, like who that they kind of go after. But there was, you know, I was reading a little bit about the actual events. Like they they are suspected of killing up to like a hundred uh, people. Um, Dude, that's horrific. <laughs> it's horrific. Like, God, um. Baby. Yeah, I mean they do kill a couple of people who aren't not necessarily in the in the family in the movie, um, and that's I think where like I was thinking specifically about the guy who suffered from melancholy, but I guess it's modern day depression. Yeah, they had the whole storyline because uh, William King Hale had like money basically riding on this guy's death, and he needed him to stay alive until X date, mm-hmm. and so I didn't need to see like the whole friendship. Like you kind of could have just like made it a little quicker than that. And you kind of got into more of the backstory of the assassin they hired for, for that guy. So just yeah. some of those, like I could have, yeah, I can see that. Like how, like there was like, like he has kind of like a, uh, <clears throat> um, what's it? Like, he just kind of has like a voiceover during that time where he's just like talking about how he like likes the dude, but then he still just like ends up <laughs> yeah, killing him anyway. Right? Um, I was like, what? and he like, doesn't listen uh. to like what? Ernest Burkhart like tells him to do. Yep. Um, so like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Quick point here. There is nothing, and I feel like nothing in this world that's funnier than Leonardo DiCaprio in a Southern accent explaining something to somebody. Just like the way he does it, it just it just cracks me up for some reason. Like I don't know why. <laughs> him doing a it's Southern like, accent see, is, so is always like funny to me. Um, oh man. He's like, I gave you a 20. I gave you a 20. I gave you a 20. Doesn't matter. So you gave me 50 cents. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, oh, man. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I know. Like, Leonardo, like, this might, is this his, like, first movie in, like, a long time? I feel like. I'm trying to think what his last one was. Was it Don't Look Up? Was his last film? I forgot he's in that. <laughs> that was a fantastic film how dare you Man, Adam sorry. McKay is a genius Adam McKay is a genius I apologize um, You're good. You're good. I mean I, it makes sense that he was in that because he's like a huge climate activist um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah 
<laughs> so, um, <clears throat> anyways. <laughs> okay, well, we kind of started getting into his character a little bit. So I just wanted to, I guess, ask the question. Yep. What were your first impressions of Ernest Burkhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and William King Hill, played by um, Robert De Niro? Okay, so um, to give context on my first impressions of these characters. So I had no idea really kind of what direction this story was going. I knew that it was, A, based on a true story, B, involved, you know, uh, Native American Indians, um, and, like, C, that it involved Leonardo DiCaprio's character in some capacity. Now, when I watched the trailer to the movie... I still didn't fully grasp what exactly it was about. I didn't want to look up the story behind it because I wanted to kind of just, you know, see it and then look it up afterwards. Um, so the the impression that I got from, like, the trailers and kind of what I made up in my own head, I suppose, is, like, that Leonardo DiCaprio would be kind of, uh, like, like an avenger for whoever was killing the people like of like of the um oh oh god is it osage the o- tribe? osage tribe like i thought he was gonna because like i saw in the trailer that he like marries like a native like a an indian woman and um so i thought like oh he, he maybe like you know fights against it, uh all the people like you know that because you know 1920s america baby he's just so racist <laughs> We're Heck so yeah, good brother. at that. It's America's number one produced commodity. Um, the uh, so I thought that was what's going to happen. Now I kind so when I first kind of met them, I instantly got from William K or King Hale that like this guy is probably the bad dude in this uh, in this mm. story. Um, I didn't really realize that Leonardo DiCaprio's character was also going to be quite evil. Um, so, yeah. but like I quickly realized that that was the case uh, when like, I never trusted Robert De Niro's character, like William K. Hale or King Hale. I, well, I guess K makes sense too. Um, but uh, like, I never trusted his character. I always thought everything he was doing was a facade. I was onto him from the very beginning, and I don't think the movie tries to steer you away from the suspicion that it's him the whole time. Um, I like, I think it's kind of clear and obvious, but I don't think it really explicitly tells you until like maybe like forty-five minutes into the movie that he's kind of the one behind it all. So, yup, yup. Um. Sorry, we're I guess we're in spoilers now. I mean, this is also a true story. Uh, like a lot of the, it is based on a book that of uh, you know the Killers of the Flower Moon, which is also um, called the series of the Os- like murders of Osage members. I don't like know if there's like Osage Indian murders. Um, so it is a true story. So we're gonna just like talk spoilers because it is a historical event. Um, that happened that I had no idea about. Did, I'm assuming you had no, no idea. I had no idea either, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, this was new to me. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I forget. Okay. Uh, you're, you're going, you were going with your gut, and basically it was panning out right, with the exception of maybe Ernest, but you figured out quickly. I kind of figured out quickly once he was like um, – kind of taking like saying whatever 
or agreeing with whatever uh, his uncle was telling him to do. And um, I had a suspicion that he was like, you know, helping out some of like, and like when he was going out and robbing people. Yeah, that's when that I was, was just like, a... yeah, okay, I can, <laughs> yeah, not a good look, not a good look. Uh, so he uh, for sure was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, a baddie, a bad guy. A bad, bad guy. Bad dude. A bad, bad dude. Mm-hmm. What was your yeah, first I was... impression of them? Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was trying to figure out from the jump just because it was interesting. There was a, a moment when you see Ernest walking off this train that he uses to get to the town. And um, there's a fight going on between four dudes, just random guys that he's passing. And for a second, he kind of joins in. And I thought that was pretty revealing of his character just... You know, this random guy who's walking along. And, and then you could tell he's, like, getting amusement out of it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I don't know if I can trust him right off the jump. Then oh, he gets right. His, yeah, he was that. Yeah. I wasn't, like, I just, so at that point, I was thinking he was just, like, I thought they people were, like, roughhousing. I didn't realize that, like, this was some, they were, like, doing hate crimes. <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> you know, I wasn't. I didn't pick up on that for whatever reason because I didn't see who they were beating up, admittedly. I just thought they were, like, okay. fighting amongst themselves and he was just kind of getting a kick out of it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Old, uh, old Ernest. Yeah, and then, and then so he goes to his uncle, William mm-hmm. King Hale's house, and they're just having a pretty candid conversation about how things were going at the war. And I forget he was – I guess he got hurt or – I'm trying to remember exactly why he wasn't fighting. He was like – no, he cooked. He cooked for people. Mm-hmm. And then his his uncle proceeds to just ask him about women, and they have this really awkward conversation where both of them are laughing. He's like, "Oh yeah, I, I like women. I like women a lot. That's like my my drug of choice. Like I mm-hmm. I'm addicted to women." I was he's like, "I don't care what they look like." I was like, "Oh geez, this man." Yeah, because is... he was doing that because he's just like, "Will you be part of this like, uh, you know, th- this scam? Conspiracy? I essentially conspiracy I have going on where I'm like marrying and killing off all these people." And like so that we can collect all their money, and it's just like, dude, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was crazy because it it was in my head. So when you start, and then ultimately William Hale asks him to basically become entangled. I think to use mm-hmm. the the Smith's word, uh, entangled with Molly Kyle, and he's like, okay. And then they start developing a romance, and so. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you this question because I kind of think I have an answer, but I'm not positive. Do you think the romance that developed between them was authentic, or do you think that it was just all a ploy? It's hard to say. I at first thought it might have been, but when he started poisoning her, I was like, okay, it was just a facade this whole time. Like... And then he, like, lies to her. Well, the thing is, is he, like, lies to her in the court. He's just, like, it was just insulin. Even though, like, it was clearly, like, not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She got better, bro. She got better when she got away from you. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I don't think that it was real. I don't, I think he, like, I don't know. And then maybe in a twisted way he thought it was, but I don't. I don't think he saw her at least, like, maybe equally. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, my conclusion was that there was a part of him that loved her. Mm -hmm. 
and the part that he'd like to kind of refer back to and think is mainly his his own personal i guess uh like his north star he loved her for the money i think kind of like you know i think he ultimately loved the money more than he loved her which is why he was cool to just poison her but i think he likes to tell himself like he did feel something for her which Mm -hmm. is kind of why he uh I guess did ultimately did what he did like later on. In the, yeah, where he eventually agrees to testify against his uncle. Yeah, I think yep. ultimately like that part of him that like like loved uh, Molly um, was uh, was what did it. And like I think he did have a genuine love for his kids. I mean, at least how the oh, movie absolutely. portrayed it. Um, so that was one of my favorite scenes. I think of the uh, entire movie. Yeah. And Leo, Leo did his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could, I could tell that like William K. Hale like just didn't really care at all. Oh, he absolutely just, like, didn't not. care. <laughs> he, you know, it's interesting, and I gotta just, I gotta say it because it was on my mind the entire movie. William King Hale was not a young man. William King Hale was an older man, and obviously, I'm using you know De Niro as kind of the the placeholder, but I imagine he was an older man. Mm-hmm. So. The whole point, basically, of this movie is that this man is trying to acquire wealth from this the Osage tribe and basically just square away his family and other people. But he had a considerable amount of money himself, A. B, he was an old older dude. It's not like he would have been able to enjoy... I guess what he... The, what he like, reached so, during this, in, in doing time, this. during this time, he was only, like, 45... They cast oh Robert my. De Niro, but, like, yeah, the guy was only, like, 45 years old during uh, this period, like, um, because he lived till he was 87, and he died in 1962, Jeez. and this happened in, like, the 1920s, so, like, he's, my like, and it's, he's, like, 45 or something, yeah. Okay, that's why, that's why I need you, man, because mm-hmm. I was about to say, why, why would he do all of this if he wasn't even going to use the money, like, for himself? That was crazy. But yep. okay, see, I needed that. I needed that. Thank you, thank you. But another question that came up because part of his character was that he was very much engrossed in the tribe. He could speak the language. Everybody knew him. They considered him to be a friend. And kind of throughout the film, a major theme is cultural assimilation, especially when we think about the Osage people gradually losing touch with their roots, like in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the very first scene they're saying like our children are going to be raised by these other people and they're going to lose track of who they are. They're not so, going to generally gonna speak speaking, English or whatever. Like they're not going to yeah. speak our language. Yep. Yep. And then basically the way of the Osage will die. But uh, generally speaking, do you feel a homogenous culture is a good thing or a bad thing? Ooh, that's uh, tough. I mean, there's good and bads for. Uh, I mean, typically I think homogenized cultures are i think maybe will end up being bad overall um i think it's probably better to not necessarily whittle away cultures i think it's a good idea to like i think the osage should never like never not be who they are and never my point but i don't think you know assimilating cultures is probably better <laughs> in like long term <laughs> Uh, because I think if you try to isolate, then like, it's not inclusive to, um, you know, how do I put this? It's like, 
I think you would you run into the issue of uh, if like you never if you never explore different ideas. I don't know how like you as a society necessarily gets better, or like are you really better off for being very like closed off and like not learning from other cultures? Um, and it's not to say again to like completely remove your culture, but I I think I mean our society typically is you know, multicultural. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think that is for our benefit because, um, you know, getting, hearing and seeing other people's perspectives, I think goes a long way in making you as an individual, like uh, just better, wiser, smarter, you know, et cetera. But what are your thoughts yeah. regarding that? I kind of, I've been thinking about this a little bit. It's funny. I just had something happen this evening. Um, I was on my elevator coming up, and a dude had uh, what is it? Like, a, like a, the naked like drink, like protein drink thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of what I do for a living. I just talk to people randomly. Like, I'm just in my head. I'm like, Jordan, don't talk to this person. They don't want to talk to you. But gosh darn it, I end up talking to them. So I was like, oh, like, do you like that flavor? Because it was pina colada. I've never had it. And he's like, oh, I don't like you know speak English. And then I was like, oh, Blas Espanol. And so we just started speaking in Spanish. And, I was, and he was, like, really impressed. And I was like, dang, like, I mean, I can do that. But it's kind of cool that, like, you can branch that so that you can actually have conversations with people from different backgrounds yeah. and learn a lot more. So that's super cool. But I think in part because of those barriers that are created by different cultures, it can be hard because people think they're so different that they don't realize how similar they are. And they just kind of get hung up on some of the small things that separate them. And so, yeah, I also think it's an easy way to like spew and create like hatred in a way. Like when you have like a lot of walls and barriers between like different cultures and like, you know, um, you can look at it in literally modern day or even just like during like this movie, like, you know, like people not understanding or respecting like certain cultures can create like a, a hatred for that. I mean, the, uh, you know, these, like, they clearly didn't see, like, uh, the Osage as people. <laughs> they just saw them mm-hmm. as, like, um, the, I mean, oh, they yeah, say it in the movie, savages. You know, they say that mm-hmm. more than a couple of times. They don't, um, like, they just see them as kind of, like, oh, they have all this money that doesn't belong to them. Like, you know, that's kind of their idea like belongs to us like we're like the savior kind of thing and like i I think a lot of that probably does result in not i mean you know uh cultural assimilation but like at the same time in a way like the they did were trying to do that in a sense because this was technically indian territory indian land um and like you know uh white americans were moving in and basically kind of just wrecking everything <laughs> so um i like i understand the hesitancy because you know like uh they're they're at least in this case particularly it just didn't really work out super well for the osage uh indians but um i do think overall that it could be just because maybe there was uh, has I don't know I don't want to like defend any of what <laughs> like yeah, no, no, like no, no, white sure, people yeah. did to uh, the uh, Indian tribes because it obviously wasn't acceptable but like I don't mm-hmm. know like what I was gonna just say was like maybe there was hesitancy on like both sides too um, yeah but that doesn't really feel like right to say necessarily because our our side was way worse <laughs> to, to the treatment of uh, 
of uh, Indian uh, people when they were probably just trying to live their life. Yeah, it was interesting because Molly's mom was very much against it, and mm-hmm. there was, I guess, a scene. I don't remember, like, I don't know whose family it was. I don't know if it was Ernest's or what, but basically, like, this whole other family moved into their house. Yeah, and so you have like Ernest and his kids and Molly, and then you have like a like I guess the, I guess maybe I don't even know, like just like a white white counterpart. I think, parts, yeah, it was just like it was mom. like all of her daughters, I guess, had married someone, and it was probably all set up by William King Hale to do that um i don't know who they all were but like he he just had a network of people you know that he just they're ready to marry he's kind of like a he literally was like an old school mobster no absolutely you know he really is nero did a good job with that one hey i mean he is known for playing mobsters so i can see why they cast robert de niro there because he was literally called king and he was like, yeah, like I think his Wikipedia page says he's a political boss and crime lord. He just had like a crime enterprise. Oh jeez. Mm-hmm. Also, it was weird that he asked or he said to Ernest, he said, "You can call me like King, like you can call me that." What you used to call me as a kid. I was like, who who asks to be called? It's like asking somebody to call you a nickname. Like either they call you it or they don't. Like yeah, yeah, call me. I think I've told you this story, but. <laughs> Oh man, funny times. Basically, in my old company, there was they were telling me about a guy who had always wanted a nickname, but he just didn't have a name that was nicknameable. So they just called him by his name until finally he ended up leaving the company, going to another company, and he just told everybody to call him Duke because that was his nickname. So they call him Duke, but it's not a nickname that he earned; it's a nickname he gave himself. <laughs> yeah, but like I wasn't <laughs> like, sure if that was like because his name is like William King Hale, like. Is that his actual that his middle name? name? Yeah. Is that, you know what? We're going to name the kid King. Let's do that. Yeah, I I'm, not, I'm not sure. Maybe he, he, he isn't. Because uh, it says his he was William Hill's born in, you know, it doesn't say that he was, he was just proclaimed himself the king of the Osage, which is ridiculous. Uh, oh, my gosh. Mm. Yup, yup. Lovely. Oh, geez. Is it the king, king of the Osage? Wow. Mm. That's uh, ballsy. That's ballsy. But uh, it kind of fits into the next thing because he constantly evokes biblical verses all the while he's orchestrating the murders of the Osage. And kind of what do you think that said about his character? Um, sorry, repeat that one more time. Oh, no. So um, basically constantly, especially towards, I guess, the middle and end portions mm-hmm. of the uh, movie, he's evoking biblical verses and just kind of uh, yeah. using them to, I guess allow him to illustrate certain points or to emphasize things. And uh, all the while, he's just yeeting, he's yeeting people. He's yeeting he's people. Yeeting he's them. ordering. Yeah, I think he's just sociopath. I mean, he is a sociopath. He's a psychopath. Like, um, he <laughs> so clearly had a God complex, like, because, you know, he claimed himself the king of the Osage, that he was just, like, their best friend, but at the same time conspiring to literally kill them all and claim their money because so he can get the right which by the way the reason that he was able to do this was because there in the united states had passed a law that like uh, indians had to have white people to overlook their finances which is like nice awesome nice job us <laughs> um so that's why he was able to like conspire to like of course this would freaking happen when like you you know that's it, 
Oh God, we're so 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 great. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> he he was just the sociopathic person who clearly just saw himself as like a a god. Um, and because he was so wealthy and successful for you know killing people off, committing insurance fraud, and all this stuff, like he was able to build up a network and set himself down in this like town and has had like control over it. So like I can mm-hmm. see why he felt like on top of the world because he literally controlled life and death. He decided who lived and who died, and when they died. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, the murders were super, I'll just use the word horrific, because they were quite, quite horrific. Um, Did the orchestration of any particular killing stand out to you as, like, particularly heinous? I mean, all all of them were, but, like... (laughs) All of them were pretty bad. Wow. The bombing one was absurd. (laughs) I (laughs) was was feeling that one as well. Just, uh, yeah, get into that one a little bit more, but uh, what made it particularly absurd? It's just absurd because um, that was, like, way too, way too much for, like, yeah, no no shit, the, the feds are going to come after you at that point. Like, um, I really want to know the story, A, about why J. Edgar Hoover decided to send feds to investigate that case. I was going to ask I that, too. I don't know much about his life. My mind. But I did not think himself to be a... Uh, a... Uh, a guy who would do that. <laughs> just put it like that. Yeah. I don't know yeah, much about Jay Anchor Hoover. Anybody. But I don't know why I just like I just thought I'd be real racist. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's not. <laughs> Maybe I am you know slant like slandering his name. No. Uh, I mean uh, I know nothing. Maybe Jay you know Edgar more. don't have a good rep, bro. He does not he used to keep a f- Sorry. He kept a file on pretty much every historical figure, like just blackmail file. Just like Homeboy was collecting deets on people. And, like, uh, it was kind of crazy because he was coming after people, trying to, like, I guess, hold a bunch of, like, homophobic things over their heads. Meanwhile, back he at the was. ranch, he was going out dressed dressing as a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, how are you going to do that and do the projection, typically? Yeah, exactly. I don't know nothing about him, but, uh, he, you know, uh, I'm surprised that it even happened. And I want to know a little bit more of the, of the story of, like, why they decided to do that um after all that time Uh, i was wondering that exact same just because i mean obviously molly went to dc mm -hmm. mind you after they had already sent an emissary basically to go and that person was killed but she went herself which i'm surprised no one raised alarms about by the way like yeah like that was just like a guy you know it wasn't he wasn't even (laughs) a member of the osage clan he was just a dude and like he was like i will speak for you guys it's like oh you guys need me you need somebody to go to dc i got like a week off like i I can do that i can figure it out like and got (laughs) yeeted badly it was great he he was in dc when he got killed i have no idea but he got a wire in dc saying look out and like i i think he was Uh, in dc maybe he wasn't but maybe he was still in oklahoma i'm not sure uh they got him. They got him smooth. Golly. Yep. But yeah, no. So that was that was crazy. But yeah, so Molly went and basically met with President Calvin Coolidge mm-hmm. in person and made an appeal for him to look into this. And then he actually did. And it's funny because 
I think nobody thinks that he'll do anything about it. Like when he comes, uh, Hale and um, Burkhardt are both like, wow, like what the heck is going on? Because you could see when the first Fed goes to Leo's door and knocks and have a conversation, Leo is shook. Mm-hmm. He does, doesn't want anything to do with that. And he just keeps basically kicking the can down the road like, oh, my wife's not going to be so good. She's sick. Like, come back this time. And the fact that he did, I mean, I guess what would you really do? But, mm-hmm. ah, dude, it's just, it's crazy. But that occurred at the same time in which basically Ernest was poisoning Molly. Yeah. She is a diabetic. She is one of five people in the world getting insulin. And he's supplying poison to her through that so we talked about this a little bit in the past, like earlier, but I'm curious because there was one scene where Ernest goes to put the poison into her insulin, but he also puts some in his drink and drinks it. What, what do you think was going on there? I I don't know. I think that was trying to show that he, like, he kind of hates what he was doing to her, but he felt like he had to. And I'm wondering Mm. if the narrative that they were trying to put forth was that he is terrified of his uncle and that what he would, his uncle would do to him if like he disobeyed his uncle. So Mm. like to him, I think to me, that was like him trying to say like, I hate this. I'm going to punish myself and take a little bit of it. And also maybe prolong her for a little longer because I don't want to kill her immediately. Cause he like, I thought he was supposed to, pour the whole thing in but he like takes some of it yeah and i just thought it was just a matter of kind of understanding what it was that she was going through and the Mm -hmm. guilt started kind of eating away at him so he's like i shouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. leave this unscathed at least let me kind of feel what it is that i'm i'm doing to this woman because she was not okay yeah and the weird thing is the whole movie she's so discerning about what everybody's doing how close people are becoming to her like when Ernest is first courting her. She's kind of keeping him at arm's length. Yet she seems so naive when it comes to him later on. Yeah. And I'm just, well, why, why, why do you think that happened? Why do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised that she didn't suspect him. It like I think that they were the movie was trying to imply that she was suspecting him, but I don't know if it did a good enough job of really like uh, portraying that because she constantly was just saying like like trusting Curtis even. After he's kind of been arrested and stuff like that, she still seemed like um, trusting of him until she realized at some point that, oh, wait, maybe he was poisoning me because the moment I got away from him, I got like way better, like way better, which is hilarious because I think on her Wikipedia page, she discovered it says that she discovers that he's poisoning her. And that that she leaves him and goes somewhere else and gets better, even though the movie oh. makes it seem like that the feds rescued her. I mean, maybe the Wikipedia page yeah. kind of glosses over that point, and but um, I'm not sure. I don't know what is truth there, but like, yeah, the feds seem mm-hmm. to discover her, and uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, I was wondering how they went in real life, and also. I mean, we're kind of to the point now where basically Ernest gets arrested Mm -hmm. because they're kind of understanding, starting to understand the conspiracy. Molly is getting better. And while Ernest is in jail, they were, the feds come and tell him that one of their kids died. 
died. Mm-hmm. It was Cowboy, I think. It was what. Yeah. And honestly, like I said, I love that scene because this man, Leo, had the most visceral reaction to that news. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely just baller acting right there. Like, good work, good work. But I was wondering, because he was allowed to go to the funeral and see the kid buried, and Molly was there too, I was not sure how she was going to take his presence because at that point in time, it seemed like she should know He's been poisoning her. Like, yeah. he got better and mm-hmm. weren't around him. Yeah. So I just, I was a little confused by that whole interaction between them because I think they just hugged and then they took him back to to prison. Yeah. I think, I, I almost even remember her just patting him on the shoulder. Not even oh, hugging. Oh, I thought down? that's what I remember oh. happening. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just a hug. No, you saw it more recently than I did. So maybe it was a pat on the shoulder. <laughs> I thought that's all oh, she geez. did and uh, just like moved on. Um, yeah, like, uh, I did. I did like the little touch that um, that one uh, guy who was a federal agent, but was uh, of you know Indian descent, who was just like I. Oh, yeah. I like that little touch that like he was. Everyone else was clearly like a fed, right? Like you can kind of spot them, mm-hmm. but he just uh, kept appearing in all like little sequences going on around town. You're not like, who is this guy? And like he's going around, he's greeting like all the Osage uh, tribe members when he gets there. Like he's like from out of town. I think you overhear him say he's like playing pool with Ernest, and like I don't think <laughs> Ernest even knows who he is because like why would he suspect, um, you know, that that guy's a potential fed? And, uh, yep. like, so when he shows up at, like, the Fed meeting, um, you're like, oh, this, like, yeah, I thought that was really good, like, film, like, filmmaking, like, foreshadowing that, like, this guy was just everywhere. And, like, so they're, and so when you see him, they're like, oh, they're going to piece it all together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew that's when the heat was about to come through. Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought so. And then you saw Jesse Plemons kind of, like, doing his thing, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, the more you saw that one, like, I guess, Fed, like, Native American Fed, I was like, oh, boy, like, I feel like he's going to be... I thought he was either going to be the Avenger, like, Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I know who's doing it now, I'm just going to take him out, and then I was like, he could also be a Fed, too, and he ended up being... Yeah, I thought he was going to be, like, an Avenger, like, the guy who's going to, like, come in and, like, solve it and take them all out, but no, he uh, turned out to be a Fed and took him down the other way. (laughs) I would have loved that movie twist and like all of a sudden becomes a pivotal character in the whole film. Yeah. Just like this guy just yeeting people. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's like, that's my guy right there. Mm-hmm. But um, no, so they, they descend on everybody, basically start collecting people, arresting them. And then what was going through your head when they first brought Ernest in and were interrogating him, basically making him stand for an extended period of time, showing him the other people who are about to squeal? little interrogation tactic because I think... They were smart, you know. They they just wanted to let him talk. Basically, they were asking very simple questions about things that they knew the answer to. They just wanted to hear what he had to say, and um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a smart tactic. Like they do it all the time. Um, so like you know, having him stand and like him always like hitting the fly. I'm wondering like there's probably some symbolism there and like, um, yeah. you know, like you know, you're at death's door, kind of thing. Um, mm, I didn't even think about that, dude. That's insightful. Um, and then they're like, uh, we want to show you something, and like Blackie comes in. He's just like, <laughs> hey, Blackie. 
Ernest. <laughs> He's like, I want to speak to this man alone oh, right now. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to let him do it. Yeah, I can't believe they let him do that. I was like, Oh my god! It's like do you. It's like I'm not really friends with him. <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. They have him exactly. And that was such a stupid plan when they were like, you can steal my car and I'll get the insurance money and you get the car. I was like, dude, they're going to find your car. It's not like he's going to like move his whole life so that nobody will locate him. Yeah, I know. Uh, stupid. I mean, a lot of the people that they used had like, want. they were wanted for like a lot other crimes in, like in Texas. Like uh, one of the yep. dudes was like wanted for murder and like another was like a drug runner and like. <laughs> yeah, they got a, a real who's who of criminals. Huh? Yeah, the real. <laughs> Who's who's the Wild West, baby? Exactly. Nobody is safe. Nobody is safe. Yeah, and like, dude, that one guy. I mean, people were like laughing in my theater, but I'm like, that was like, what? It was just like the one guy's just like, so what would happen if I adopt these kids? And then, oh my god, and then they died. And then his lawyer's like, it sounds to me like you're just gonna adopt and kill these kids. Yup, yup. I was, dude. That was crazy. So you realize that's what it sounds like, right? It's like, well, I'm not gonna do it if I won't get me money. <laughs> also crazy again. Did he? Did he get killed? That guy needed to die. He did yeah. not get killed. He um went to prison. Oh, he flipped, right? He flipped and like went to. I think he got still life imprisonment, but like, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He I mean, a lot of these people that. didn't serve. Their full sentences, though. No, which was crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And wait, also sorry. Back to the the literature. At any point in time throughout this whole process, like while he's meeting people, while he's getting interrogated, did you feel bad for Ernest at any point? No, I was like, this guy's evil. Like I just thought him and his whole like ilk were just evil human beings. You know, uh, <laughs> I just did. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. Fair. I don't like. I didn't. I was just like, these people are despicable. Like, you know, I cannot believe this is a true story. It makes me sick to my stomach that this, like, didn't even happen that long ago. It ha I mean, it happened, like, 100 years ago at this point. But, like, good Lord, man. <laughs> like, good Lord. Jeez. The 60, like, he died, Um, I guess, uh, Hale died a year before JFK got assassinated. Yeah. That's absurd. And his brother, Ernest's brother, died in 1985. That guy oh, lived. Oh, he was—he died during the Reagan administration, bro. Yeah, that guy lived for a long time, and that guy, piece of shit, like that guy committed yeah. like so many murders. Like, how is he just like walking around? Like, how do you? Walking I don't free. know. Ridiculous. That guy lived till 1985. <laughs> Our uh, parents were born. They were like 20. Jeez. Jeez, dude. Oh, my God. Dude, that was only 10 years before we were... Well, nine for you. 10 yeah. for me. Like, we were almost here, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, how is that guy just not in prison his whole life? Yeah. And how do these cats live to be so old? Like, 80, 90? I'm like, you don't deserve that. They Goodness absolutely gracious. did not deserve that. I mean, like, William K. Hale got out for good behavior. A life sentence gets out for good behavior? I couldn't believe it. I was sick to my stomach. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was like, you send the right person his I way. I mean, the Osage protested it, but, like, you know, just... Obviously, like, if this happened in modern, like, it would not be tolerated. Those people probably would have gotten the death penalty, but, like... Literally, yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just sad that this wasn't even that long ago. 
and this is just like how it was and also i just thought there was a nice little like it was sudden and quick but like when the kkk was marching through the streets like the leader oh, yeah, said hi to Ernest. That. he's like hey man That's what I, was, I was like bro what is happening <laughs> and yeah i think that was the height of just the insanity for me yeah oh my gosh i completely forgot about that scene mm-hmm. <laughs> ridiculous crazy, crazy utterly ridiculous Oh, my gosh, dude. But, yeah, so basically the child comes through. Um, Ernest flips after the death of his child because he's like, Hale can't get away with this. Mm -hmm. And he admits to a number of things on the stand. Mm -hmm. Um, But he says ultimately the reason he flipped was because he loves his wife. Then he's transported to a room in which Molly is able to confront him. And he... She says, if you admit to everything now, then we can go on and have a new start, which is something she had said earlier in the film. And she asks him about whether or not he was poisoning her. And he said he was just giving her her insulin. Why do you think Ernest didn't admit to poisoning Molly? I think in that moment, he um, tried to do so much for her that like admitting this final truth would mean that he would lose her forever. And I think in a way... Um, he had at this point realized to some extent that he had a tremendous amount of like grief and like, you know, guilt. And because he mentions to William K. Hale that he, uh, you know, my whole life is just regret, you know, like, so I think this was just his little last chance of hope that maybe one person in his life wouldn't hate him. Cause I, you know, he probably felt like he, whole world probably hates him at that moment so yep dang now there's like kids will, will the two that he has left mm-hmm. will know that basically their dad orchestrated the deaths of like a number of their their family members a b the dude was trying to kill their mom mm-hmm. so that is not good on any any front there no Ugh. no <sighs> but which is funny that um he, uh, after he gets out of prison, I was reading his Wikipedia page, he, like, three years after serving for 11, he, like, robs his former sister-in-law. <laughs> <sighs> That's about right. That just, that sounds right, dude. It sounds like he can't, he's just a scumbag. He's is what just it sounds a scumbag like through and through, and, um... He was then sentenced to another seven years in prison. His parole was revoked, and then he got parole one more time in 1959, and later pardoned by the Oklahoman governor, Henry Belmond, in 1965 for the Osage murders after a 3-2 rule. Absurd that that was allowed to happen. Um, he died in 94 at the age of, at the age of 94 in 1986. Jeez. Homie was, homie was almost 100 years old. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Ugh, these people didn't deserve to live that long. I know. And I'm just like, yeah, just, that's like kind of a depressing note to uh, end a film on. And like we said before, they had the whole radio show, like, wrap up mm-hmm. that explained what happened to everybody. And um, so you said you liked the format of that? I just thought it was a unique kind of take on like how true crime usually ends which is just like white text on a black screen <laughs> mm, okay okay something different <laughs> so something, something different. different and martin scorsese had to get his little cameo in 
Exactly, exactly. This is a passion project for him. So it was he, a pa- I'm curious. I really want to know more about that, and I wish I had time to kind of look up some interviews where he talked about this movie, like why it was so personal to him. I am like mm-hmm. really curious uh, to learn more about why that this project was so personal. This is a good question. I think just, I mean, I'm speculating at this point, but in life there are just sometimes those things that just kind of random, but they fascinate you mm-hmm. and you kind of can't put them out of your head. And maybe this was just one of those things for, for him. Yeah. Maybe he just, maybe, I don't know, maybe because like the way that, was it me? Did it seem like he was tearing up at the end when he was reading, um, like that final thing? Like I think he just felt like justice wasn't served, and maybe that's why mm-hmm. he wanted to uh, tell the story. I don't know. I'd agree with that because yeah, it did seem like he was kind of getting a little emotional towards the the end there, mm-hmm. and I think that's he also just I mean the fact that because I've never seen this from I mean I've only seen a handful of movies of his I don't even think I've ever seen really anyone in theaters and eh, no I've seen a couple of them um, but uh, yeah he's, I've never seen him have an intro like come in and say something and he did you know Gangs of New York he did some others that are I guess are based on true events and he's never you know explained like he did for this film at least kind of what it took to do it and kind of what they were hoping to do with the cast and just um, I guess amplifying the voices of underserved populations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it all culminates with that one final shot of the Osage tribal dance. Uh, why do you think that was? There's the show respect to, to them that despite their hardships there, um, I almost thought that it was like modern day Osage. Like it kind of like showed their culture still exist despite the great efforts that William King Hale and his accomplices tried to essentially like eradicate. Wow. That's crazy when you say it like that, but it's accurate. So yeah, they smooth tried to do that. Jeez. Killers of the flower man, man. Who had the most compelling uh, performance to you? Thing, I mean, uh, Honestly, shout out to the actress who plays Molly. I thought she was really great. Yes. I thought she had some really powerful scenes. Um, honestly, I thought the performances across, like Robert De Niro, just played the villain so well. I mean, it's so it's always mm. interesting to me to see Robert De Niro play his characters because I had an opportunity to like see him in person, like talk on a stage, and it's just so interesting that he is somebody who like literally doesn't talk. Um, he is somebody who just when he was on stage with Bradley Cooper, David o. Russell, um, he just kind of sat there, and every time they asked him a question, he only said like one or two sentences. Like he just like wasn't as animated as he appears to be in his film. So like it's just truly interesting how stark of a difference he kind of is as a human when he like is an actor because I just know that he doesn't talk like that, and I've heard that from other actors who have worked. He just like. He's incredibly quiet. That's so interesting. Like, I just wonder, does he take on the roles he takes on to be able to emote some of the things he doesn't in his everyday life? Mm-hmm. Or is that, does he truly come alive when he's, you know, working his craft and then just mm-hmm. everything else is just kind of, eh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Just That's really, a, yeah. It's really interesting because, yeah, I wonder if that makes him so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I feel like a lot of, like, actors 
they do it and they like they love it, but then there's like a number of like the great one, like like a Daniel Day Lewis who. It's almost like the last thing he really like wants to do is act, and it seems like he's just like a really mild guy. But when you put him in a certain part, he just comes alive with this other no. person. Daniel Day Lewis is retired, and Paul Thomas Anderson has gone out of retirement twice. So can he do it a third time? Ah, it's got to be a compelling enough story, I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's like they got him out of retirement when they did Gangs of New York too. This man, <laughs> that's how you drive up your like your price. Like I'm retired. Okay, we'll pay you this. All right. Ugh. We'll all right, it. fine. Let's do, Let's do this. <laughs> exactly. All right. I feel million. like he just like does it for right. roles that he just can't turn because he did Phantom Thread, like, and I don't think he. I think he wasn't. I think he was retired, and then like PTA pulled him he out was. for Phantom Thread. So he's like, "Hey, hey, Danny, <laughs> want to do this picture with me?" <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's not Paul Thomas Anderson's voice, but yeah. Uh, Close enough. Also, before I forget about this, because we talked about the the KKK scene, but the paddle scene, um, where basically they just get Leo to, to like lean into this, like I guess on this little, I don't even know what the word like is, podium, I guess, like yeah, a podium, and it's in the what is the like little secret society of the dudes with the hats, the uh, Freemasons or whatever. Yeah, or they don't have the hats, I think. But I was like, what are, is this? Like, it's a fraternity. Is how fraternities were born. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? Like, what? <laughs> but uh, no, dude, they paddled him for, I guess, falling short. I think it's when Blackie got caught because mm-hmm. he was super reckless. Because he did like some bonehead that... like, insurance scheme that's so stupid. Yeah, he's like, you, what, were you... <laughs> what were you thinking? Also, I'm kind of curious, like, felt like it hurt, but like, he was like really selling it. Yeah, I wonder like, if they actually paddled Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> so was leo, that yeah, real oh God, i wonder leo hit us up hit us up on our socials yeah hit us let up us on know. our socials leo let us know uh, but uh yeah no so that was just like the last thought i had on the film as a whole like it was that was a random random scene for me <laughs> yeah oh, that that was i mean like it was like a weird punishment scene i didn't fully yeah like I guess because they're Freemasons, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is either. Yeah, I just know it's a little society of people. Goodness. But yeah, Killers. Um, apparently, Flower. this is... Uh, so the book is called Killers of the Flower Moon, Oil, Money, Murder, and the Birth of the FBI. Oh, okay, yeah, because they weren't even called the Federal Bureau yeah, the of Investigation. Bureau of Investigation. The Bureau of Investigation, yeah. yeah. So I like I wonder if this was like the case that made the FBI, and maybe that's why J. J. Edgar Hoover told them to go investigate because he wanted to get yeah, power. just to kind of get one under their belt. Yeah. yeah, just to this is our trial run. We don't have a whole lot of pressure here, boys. <laughs> maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe we won't. Let's just uh, let's get this thing going. Yeah, I, that actually is a that's that's possible. It's possible. <laughs> I could see it. Um. Okay. Um. Oh, sorry. I just completely... <laughs> you're so good at it. Uh, I was like, <laughs> you were locked in, but... Oh, so uh, is there anything else you want to add, Palmer, before we kind of call it there on Killers of the Flower Moon? Just that, like, you know, I just have a lot of respect for the Osage people to overcome that and still, like we said in the final scene, be around today and just have their culture just uh, remain among us. Like, it's a sad mark on American history. Not a surprising one, unfortunately. Just kind of what transpired there, but... um. You know, fortunately for us, they didn't completely eradicate 
the Osage people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know it is one of the many black marks on American history, uh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, our history isn't really great, honestly. <laughs> it's not a good Give one. Give it a solid 3.5 out of 10, maybe 4. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's bad. You know, country basically built on uh, genocide. So, go 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 U.S. Um, America, baby. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. Well, would you recommend this movie to people? I I would. I would. I think I need to be specific in who I recommend it to. Like. I have some movie-watching buff friends like yourself. I have people who just like a good movie, and then I have people who are like, eh, you know, I'll take a suggestion. The I'll take a suggestion crowd, probably not. Like, this is a long movie, and I feel like, unfortunately, some people might might not necessarily be enthused by the subject matter or just the yeah. length of the film and will fall out of, like, paying attention. So yeah. those are the ones you got to skip. But everybody else, I feel like it's a good it's a good flick. Yeah, I think I've been in your boat. I feel like I've got friends who are, like, real into movies and uh, – who are already telling me before I even saw this that they really wanted to see it. Um, I got people who are like, like movies, but uh, maybe don't go crazy for every indie film that gets uh, released on the market. But I think even a couple of them were like kind of, Oh, let me know what you think. Cause I'm kind of interested. And Martin Scorsese carries a big name, even for non film nerd kind of people like you know he's made some very big classic films back in the day and then you got friends who are just like i kind of see one movie a year and i probably wouldn't even bother to tell them to see this movie yeah (laughs) so um but yeah i would definitely recommend to uh people for sure because yeah i mean it's it's tough because it is a really dark subject matter and uh i'm not even particularly a super big fan of like true crime most of the time um but i thought this was really good and i think it's a story people should know it's like a history i think people should know about the united states um i seem like we kind of forget our history a lot these days in in the u.s so yeah yeah Alrighty, well, thanks so much for listening everybody this has been the watching up podcast for your hosts uh, Charlie Bud joined with me as always is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Um, make sure to hit us up on social media. Palmer, why don't you let them know where uh, they can catch or hit us up rather. You can catch us on Instagram at the what you got podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A or on X slash Twitter at what you got cast, which is spelled the same way. And uh, next week, we are going to be covering off a movie that came out back in September. It is called The Creator. It stars John David Washington. Um, so we're off. We're going to get we're going to talk about that movie next week. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to hit us up wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow us. We have episodes every Monday evening. I know we had a little bit of a break here, but we're back, baby. And uh, catch you all next week. Bye.